Welcome back to the Beyond the Wire podcast. I'm your host, Tim Keller. Along with me is Mr. Matt Disher. Welcome to 2021, everybody. We made it. The virus is over. Ah, sadly, it's not. Nothing has really changed. We're all bigger. We're bigger and stronger, and we're wiser because we're, you know, one year older. But, uh, but uh, yeah, the, the Ohio Department of Transportation signs, those big digital signs over the highway here in Ohio say, New Year, same virus. <laughs> you know, it's kind of depressing on uh, day one, you know, <laughs> January one, like, ah, oh, man. Really? Really? That's how, that's how we're going to start this off? Really? That's, right. that's what we're going to get do? out of this year. <laughs> well, so. um, in good news, there is the vaccines going around. First responders, people working in medical fields are, are getting the first rounds of the COVID vaccination. So that is a, a very good thing. As a matter of fact, uh, my wife sent me a link to an Amazon at home coronavirus testing kit. Um, before I even open the link, I go, I don't know what this is, but I'll start selling Q-tips to people for a hundred bucks a piece. And every third person will be like, yeah, you probably got it. <laughs> and guess what? It's about $110. Uh, you can find it on Amazon if you're interested. And, and from what I hear about false positives, you might be about as accurate as the real yeah. test. So if if anybody's interested, I'll sell you a Q-tip. Uh, you can just Venmo me a hundred bucks. I'll let you know. That's good. Also, the uh, the second round of stimulus is out there, Matt. Um, did you get your stimulus money yet? I I I am not eligible. Oh well, very good then. Very good. Good problem to have, I guess. It is. It is a good problem to have. Uh, I know I, I saw in the news last night that um, I, I want to say it was H&R Block. If you used H&R Block to do your taxes, it seems that there is a glitch in their system that many people are not getting their second round of stimulus checks in the mail. And you know, the people in the news were freaking the hell out. So I mean, let's talk about this for a minute. There are 300 and some odd million people in the United States and uh, let's assume that a large percentage of that, let's assume that 65% of those people will receive a check. Maybe it's not that high because you got to include, you know, you take into account that a lot of those are children and stuff like that. Yeah. That's a really big, that's a really big undertaking uh, to cut checks to that many people, to hundreds of millions of people. So, of course, there will be delays. Um you know, companies with 20,000 employees sometimes screw up payroll. Yeah. Uh, and, and those are, you know, private sector, probably more efficiently run businesses than, um, than how the government operates. And so, uh, you know, I have to imagine that there's going to be some delays, some slight delays and, and people will get it. It'll come. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. I, I, I did see something the other day that said, um, for some individuals, it may be the fact that there are still 7.1 million unprocessed 2019 tax returns right and I was, wow that i i don't know how that works i don't work for the irs in any way shape or form but when i heard 7.1 million um tax returns from 2019 i was kind of blown away yeah by well uh so 2019 tax returns were filed in the beginning of 2020 uh, which is when the COVID crisis began and shutdowns started happening and stuff like that. So, I, I mean, yeah, it makes perfect sense that, uh, especially if the IRS started taking those precautions and people started going out, if they had a shutdown for three plus weeks, mm-hmm. and then, you know, depending on the offices and where those locations are, who knows? There could have been people out of the office for uh, weeks, if not months. And then um, with quarantine rules, 
you've got people who've tested positive and then everybody around them had to be quarantined. So they might just be way behind. And I also don't, I, I could be wrong about this, but I can't imagine that people are processing IRS uh, goings on and taxes and things like that from home. You know, it's probably a secure network system mm-hmm. that you have to be plugged into uh, in an office. So yeah, it's delays. It's delays like everything else. Everything else is slowed down right now too. Uh, if you're trying to get any work done in your house, it's like impossible to find a contractor these days. It's, yes. uh, it's amazing. It is. It, it definitely is. Everything has kind of uh, taken its foot off the gas pedal. Yeah. Right. I, I know that the, I still, she still claims that there is a Christmas present coming. <laughs> For I still have a, I still have a Christmas present to send my brother in Florida. So Mark, if you're listening, I have dropped the ball and you're at least you're at least saying I have yet to send this because of those delays, you know. Right. So, uh Mark, yeah, expect a late May probably. You'll right. I, well, my big thing was like I, I got too close to the holiday. I didn't mm-hmm. want to uh I I didn't want to send it uh yeah. because I didn't want it to get I, I got too close because I forgot. I got busy. But then by the time I got to that point I started seeing these delays in postal service and delays in packaging and stuff like that. And I was like, well, now I don't even want to send it. Mm-hmm. Now it's just me. The thing is packaged up and sitting on the dining room table. Uh, it's just me being lazy and I haven't gotten to, you know, to the store or to the, sh- to, to the shop to ship it off. So uh, no excuses here. Um, not like whatever's going on in your house, Tim, where there's apparently this great gift on the way <laughs> and uh, it's all held up. And uh, she, I, I, I don't doubt her. I, I, I do. Um, I do understand that the, mail system is completely backlogged so i'm sure that there's something coming yeah um, so i look forward to it whenever he gets it. she says it's supposed to be here by friday we'll see it'll be cool. like a pack a package of like fake mustaches or, <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> just plastic glasses with the nose and mustache right. on it. ha it's a disguise yeah now you can be whoever you want to be oh great um we kind of looked over a little bit of the military.com and military times looking for news um not a ton of news. Not, well, nothing that jumped at us. There's always news, but a lot of it's political. We didn't want to get too heavy into that. I do see that the National Guard will be in D.C. for the inauguration, which is kind of a scary thought. Um, the one that I wanted to bring up today was the Air Force is going to employ influencers to help recruiting in 2021. The article states, they are not social media stars like the Kardashians, but the U.S. Air Force has its own influencers working to engage the next generation of airmen. According to this, it is even promoting airmen who attract eyeballs to their Facebook and or Instagram. So if you are a good looking young airman or airwoman, hey, get those social media numbers up. You might find that next meritorious promotion coming your way. There you go. (laughs) It it actually surprises me if you look at advertisements for, you know, just right off the top of my head, Matthew McConaughey comes to to mind with the Buick commercials um, where he's riding around in the car. And is it Buick or Lincoln? Is it Lincoln? Lincoln. Lincoln Lincoln. commercials. Um, But but that, you know, those are, uh, in my opinion, those are successful ad campaigns. I don't know what sort of revenue they generated off of those, but you've got this um, you've got this movie star. He's a very influential person. Um, the advertisements are kind of interesting, if not strange at some, at some point in time, but you remember them and I remember them too. And thusly, I have looked at LinkedIn, Lincoln's I've Mm -hmm. been to the car shows and looked in the windows like, all right, let's see what this is all about. Um, it surprises me that the military hasn't used 
the influencers with, and I'm talking about the your TikTok and Instagram stars and your Twitter stars and and people like that, people who have literally made a living off of posting videos on the internet. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dissing them at all because I, I, I am an aspiring YouTuber also, but, but it, it, these people have millions of followers, if not tens of millions of followers in some cases, and and hundreds of millions of reach, um. And I can't imagine that, like, hey, hey, the you know the army could cut him a contract for ten thousand dollars, and you know, well, here, do um, some imagine if you took one of these young adults, well, like, a, we'll just use a young adult male that is one of these social media influencers has a couple million followers, and most of the time they're doing kind of just off the wall, oddball stuff that gets the attention of other young individuals. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh my god, I can't believe they're going to do this. Why don't you throw them into, I don't know like a week eight scenario of basic training somewhere, right? Be it the army, be it the Marine Corps and just, Hey, you're going to get uh 48 hours here and we're going to, we're going to put you through the ringer. Yeah, right. And we're going to let you film whatever you need to film and you put out whatever you need to put out. And I, I just imagine it being like a reality TV. Like we're, we're suddenly like you, you've just, now you've thrown this, um, you know, this Hollywood star, so to speak into like the crucible at Paris Island. Mm. And they're not wearing a full uniform. They're wearing like their own version of a uniform, and they've got like makeup people and yeah. their hair. Their hair is like perfectly done. Oh, it's so hot out here, and everything's like a theatrical presentation. Um, but I think you're right. I mean, it, it would be. I think it would be a great opportunity to to take some of these influencers with uh, again with just this amazing young following too. So that's the other thing. These are military aged people mm-hmm. that are following them. These are it's you know, the demographic of what the recruiters are going after. Right, right. That's well, and, and you know, I think back when I was in when I was in high school, um, of course my family, my my dad, my grandfather, my older brother, they they all they all all went in the military. And so I was already intent on joining the military anyway. But when I was 14, 15, 16 years old, the recruiters would be standing in the hallway, and I'd love to stop by and get the stickers and pick up the pamphlets and things like that. So you you really do have to start recruiting these people um, long before you have to plant the seed in their head the idea that there is this option long before it is time to sign the contract and and thusly if you look at the audiences of TikTok and Instagram and Twitter and things like that depending on what the posts are what the, what the following is a lot of your like TikTok stars or and, and Instagram stars they're being followed by that younger generation of 13, 14, 15 to 25 year olds. You know, it's not the 45 year old people that are out there really tagging on to those, uh, those apps and those videos. So it's a great way to, to probably at least grab these folks and, uh, but you know, before they are of age to sign contract, to sign their lives away. Uh, but you know, I, I think while we're on the topic, I think that this is something that's, you know, we see in the news the conversation around paying for or or eliminating or erasing student loan debt and things like that. I still believe that uh, the military is one of the the best or most overlooked best options for people. Um, and in saying that, you have to remember that most people in the military do not serve in a combat arms capacity. Most people in the military will never end up in combat. It is not 
inherently dangerous to be in the military, and especially depending on what branch you're in, it's not inherently dangerous to be in the military. In fact, I've read stats, and I can't cite them right now. I don't. I don't have them. I've. It, it might just be anecdotal, but I've read stats or stories that suggest that your average college student in their first year of college might be in more danger of driving drunk or having an accident or something along those lines, getting into a fight, then they will have danger in the military. And I think we've talked about this before. Like my buddies, Tim in, in Japan, you wouldn't have let me, or maybe you would have, you wouldn't have let me jump off the fourth deck stairwell on the side during a hurricane with my poncho on thinking I could fly. Or maybe you would have. But I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought you could fly, but I mean, if you really wanted to try it, <laughs> I we we probably would have thrown a mattress out there, you know. Right. We would have thrown a couple safety precautions. Yeah. Here, put some pillows down there, four stories down. Yeah. But 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 in reality, but in reality, we're we're talking about people who can't afford college, people who mm -hmm. don't want to pay back college, et cetera, et cetera. The military offers all of those things, and I I talk to candidates all day long who are leaving the military with a degree, and they didn't pay a dime for it in many cases, and yeah. so um, it is just this overlooked. It's a it's a great way to uh, to give back, to, to serve your country, to get a, a better understanding of how policy affects military conflict and things like that. Um, you, you know, we've got a lot of, uh, you know, I've said this before, we've got a lot of people on social media who have a very loud voice, but sometimes don't know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And it's because they haven't had any worldly experience. Mm -hmm. And when you're in the military, I mean, geez, when I was 19 years old, I'd already been around the world. I'd already experienced different cultures. I'd seen people who you know, again, didn't have toilet paper. Not talking about COVID crisis, non-toilet paper. Yeah, I'm talking was, about there is no such thing as toilet paper. Societies that don't have toilet paper and clean water. Yeah. Um. And, and I've seen a lot of the rest of the world. I haven't seen the whole world, but I've seen a lot of the rest of the world. And I, I, I had seen that when I was, you know, Are not you? and yeah, not even able to legally buy a beer in the United States. So, uh, I still think that uh, it's a great way. I think that these influencers, I think that the recruiting tactics of the military should be whatever they can do, because it's a great option for a lot of people. Uh, and especially now with um, so many COVID policies in place, you mentioned being, um, you know, that freshman in high school and seeing those recruiters standing at the back of the lunchroom or in the hallways. Uh, there's a bunch of kids that aren't going to traditional school now, right? Because of what's going on. So right. being able to reach out to those individuals that might not be in those places where it was, a, it was the fish in a barrel type thing. You know, the recruiter right. could show up at the high school. He's going to get access to a few hundred, few thousand young people, and he's going to start planting those seeds, as you mentioned. Right. That sounds like you and I both were just, we just made it way too easy on our recruiters, honestly. We probably did. I yeah, should have asked for, yeah. Should have asked, can I have one of those $40,000 sign on bonuses? Yeah, like I walked in, I'm like, all right, let's go. I want to do stuff. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll make fun of some of my my buddies who went in the army. They're like, "Yeah, did you? What kind of bonus did you get when you went in the Marines?" I was like, "The Marine Corps didn't offer bonuses. There was I get, fact, I get the bonus for the rest of my life." Right. I didn't know. Oh, I, I didn't even realize I was getting paid. Yeah. For for uh, a number of weeks yeah. or months, like I just thought I could join and like this was going to be fun. Yeah. Uh, and then when I found out that I was making, you know, back then I was making three hundred dollars a, a biweekly paycheck. I was like, yeah. "What? This yeah. is amazing." I can pay for stuff, you know, and I was like, you know, 18 year old kid. That's the best paying job I've had ever. And I will say that they're very smart. At least when I, we were there, you have no access. You have no need to have access to that money that you're, you know, accruing while you're in uh, boot camp. So once it's over, you're like, oh man, look at all this money. And you're like, right. 
hey, you really didn't make that much. Now you get to go to the fleet, and hopefully you don't go home for that week in between then and your first uh, uh, your first deployment station and blow it all. Because guess what? You're going to need it for uh, you know everything else that you're going to yep. need to live with. You know, I, I've got a thousand dollars. Yeah. Like, <laughs> good, good job, kid. Uh, and let's be honest, Matt. If anybody was going to jump out of a uh, four story barracks window during a tsunami, it probably would have been myself. Uh, right. It wouldn't have been me. No. I, I was just using myself as an example. Yeah, I, you'd have been I, like, guys, I don't think this is a good. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> I, and it's not even that I, I, I just it's not even that it sounds crazy or, or silly or anything like that. It's just because I simply did not have that kind of courage, whether it was liquid or not. <laughs> I didn't at, have it at that time in my life. I was like, I'm not going to say no, because this is either going to go great or it's going to go tragically bad. And I'm going to have a story out of it either way. So. Well, and I don't know if you remember, but during those hurricanes, I, I did see a car slide across a parking lot one time. Uh, mm-hmm. One of those little tiny box cars. Yes, this is Okinawa, Japan. Um, well, everything was very tiny and boxy. Right, right. And so, yeah, the cars weighed, you know, eight hundred pounds, maybe. Um, and I keep saying hurricane; it's it's a typhoon in Japan. It's called typhoon. Yeah, typhoon. I said tsunami. Oh, I'm in tsunami. There. Same. <laughs> hey, you tsunami's know. the big wave. Typhoon. Right. Yes, you're right. So these hurricanes are. God, these uh these typhoons would come in and and they would be you know they the power would go out in the barracks and then they would tell us like don't go outside and if you absolutely have to go outside you got to wear your body armor and stuff so you had all these dudes <laughs> yes. walking around going out and like smoking a cigarette in in a helmet and, and Kevlar and, uh, yeah yeah Kev, Kevlar and, and their and their body armor uh uh in the barracks on a Saturday but the cool thing was that um. We had a couple of days off. The, the hard part about those couple of days off is that there was no power. So there was literally nothing to do other than maybe read books. And then, of course, you know, people would be, you know, what happens when you put a bunch of Marines in the barracks? No shenanigans. Power? Right. It's uh, shenanigans. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that and, and the bases did everything they could. Um, they they anytime the typhoon was incoming, they would limit a six pack. You could buy no more than a six pack at the PX. The bad part is, is there's multiple PXs across you know different bases and each base has its own little px or px's and so you would get a group of guys to jump in a cab and you would just go around and hit all the px's and everybody would just okay i got my seven six packs and right that's how you, that's how you collect the alcohol for the incoming typhoon but or people were properly prepared and at the <laughs> bottoms of their wall lockers they had cases of reserves yeah. <laughs> just for those rainy so the literally those the rainy days fund. yeah but hey yeah you had there was really nothing else to do really absolutely nothing else to do so but, but matt but, kind of talking about this there's shows like survivor and things like that i yeah. think a military base type show you've seen um oh uh like the like the celebrity dating shows like the flavor flave show and yep. stuff like that you get a bunch of celebrities together and you set them in a out in the woods somewhere in the Carolinas, and then you bring in some drill instructors from the different branches, and you just hey, last one that does you know, last one to tap wins, and you know you can pretend you've you've you know spent time in the military now, and right. you just put them through it. Just well, I, I think I'll take it a step further. I don't know if you remember this, but we I think you and me and uh, Rich Hoffman and Jimmy Purcell and a few other guys. And, and we, we got selected to be op for on some operation in, mm-hmm. in the jungles of Japan. And so we built, we built our ghillie suits. Do you remember mm-hmm. this? Yes, I do. And I got pictures on, on Facebook. I, was gonna um, say, I believe I have pictures of you and Mr. Hoffman. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
there was a, at one point in time there was uh there was a defensive position set up and you know we knew some of these guys on the on the the good guys we were the mm-hmm. bad guys and um uh there was a defensive position set up and i i walked within probably five or ten feet i walked up to them and i could have jumped in i, I could have jumped in, into the, the fighting hole and mm-hmm. surprised them and i should have but I think that kind of training would be awesome to throw these these different influencers into, throw them into that kind of stuff, and and watch watch them have like a, a special forces team sneak up on them, you mm-hmm. know, like a recon team sneak up on them in the middle of the woods in the night, and they don't even know that they're there, and you know how how uh, disturbing that might be to somebody who's not prepared. Like I I, I want to see like uh, night vision footage of someone doing night land nav with just <laughs> the compass and the map, and they're just in the middle of like what the what was that sound ah. <sighs> Oh God! I have no idea where I'm at right now. It's yeah. frightening. Yeah, it's frightening. That sort of stuff. That would, yep. I, you know, take those people down a peg. Yeah, I don't. Know. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I um, we didn't have a guest this week. We had uh, we had somebody uh, um, set up. They had to change schedules last second, so it's it's Matt and I again this week. We are booked up the rest of the month. Uh, did kind of want to talk about. What we're looking forward to in 2021, um, we are are like I said, Matt's Matt's got us booked up for the end of the month. We're looking at people for February already. Uh, we're we're really hitting our stride here as the podcast, and and really that goes to you guys, the listeners and the uh, subscribers and all that. And we we appreciate you guys so much. We hope everybody had a great holiday and a great New Year. We look forward to bringing you much more and better content this coming year. Um, Matt and I kick back. Enforce some ideas, uh, how to make things better, how to provide um, more positive content. And so we look forward to bringing all of that to you guys. So again, thank you guys all for uh, subscribing, sharing, liking, and viewing. Um, yeah. We've had a we've had a handful of messages on LinkedIn and a handful of messages through through email where, where people are are listening or watching and they're saying, "Hey, I've got a recommendation for you uh, in terms of speakers and and visitors and and guests and things like that." So. Uh, keep those coming because, yeah. uh, and, and I think the other thing is here, while we are a military and veteran focused discussion, um, we're, you know, open to talking to anybody who works in that sector as well, who maybe didn't serve. And so, uh, you know, as we expand and, and, and broaden our horizons a little bit, this encompasses so many other conversations versus just the transition, just the mission of transition out of the military. So, uh, there's so many other topics we can talk about. Uh, and, and as we establish a base, you know, that's that's where we're aiming to go is to uh, to be a little bit more inclusive of of all the topics and uh, having some good folks on here that we can talk to about their experiences. So with that, said, it is 2021 and um, and and hopefully it's a better year than 2020 was. But. Uh, well, uh, I, yeah, somebody somebody at work the other week said, um, yeah, he goes, hey, we're almost to the new year. And I go. You know, it's got to be better than 2020. And they had that. I mean, does it have to be? And I go, don't, don't do that. I said, Good Lord. I'm like, let's, let's try to be positive about this. I'm like, 2020 was a dumpster fire. Let's right. be honest. Right. It's, could it, could it be worse? Sure. Nuclear war. Yes. Nuclear let's, winter. Yeah. We're going to take that dumpster fire and we're going to just dump as much nuclear waste on top of it as possible. Right. And we'll, we'll see what happens then. But no, uh, yeah, I really, really am going into 2021 with um, a positive mindset, and it's it's got to be better. It just has right. to be. And right. 
if if for nothing else, I'll I'll make it more positive in my little world. Right. And I think I think one of the ways that it improves for a lot of people, and, and Tim, you and I were talking about this a little bit, and we've had this conversation before in our discussions. Uh, it is that jobs are going to come back, and people's yeah. careers are going to come back, and 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 that's the expectation. All of the economists that I'm seeing, all the experts and the professionals are saying that at least by June or July we should see a return to some normalcy uh, in the workplace. And, and and when I say normalcy, I mean people's jobs coming back and. Uh, and, and maybe fewer restrictions, but uh, along those lines, you know, we talk about one of the biggest conversations among the veteran community is, is jobs, jobs mm-hmm. and opportunities. And so we mentioned this before that the military is a great place for people to pick up skills and, and to pay for college and have opportunities. But one of the things I wanted to talk about, um, I saw an, I saw a, uh, a thing on military.com and it was talking about the, the, the nine best job programs for veterans separating in 2021. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and this is, of course, you're always going to see these things. What are the best jobs for people after the military? Go into finance, go into business management, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think that sometimes we overlook some of the opportunities that, that are there for people leaving the armed forces. And of course, professionally, I have this conversation day in, day out. I have people who are leaving one sort of job. Let's say it's air traffic control in the military. And they're like, hey, I don't really want to do air, tra- air traffic control. I've talked to a handful of aviators who are currently looking for their next roles because everybody knows what's happening in the airline industry. You know, there's, there's maybe a lack of opportunities right now. So um, one of the things that comes to mind in terms of job programs, it's often overlooked is skilled trades. And this is one of those, I, I know we've all heard it before, but there are just immense opportunities in skilled trades. And, and what are skilled trades? They are uh, HVAC, electrical, plumbing, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. It, you do mechanics are considered skilled trades, carpenters, right. masons. Um, right. Yeah. These, these are all jobs that are never, ever going to go away. Um, you know, there, there's constantly new construction. And with new construction, that means that eventually those 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 buildings and structures will need maintenance done. And that's right. where these skilled trade people come in. Right. Even in a bad economy, people still have to fix their cars. People mm-hmm. still have to have the HVAC in a building still has to run. Uh, of course, you know, if your electricity goes out or you have an electrical problem, you still have to get it fixed. So, you know, the market doesn't necessarily dictate the success of some of these jobs. Uh, and, and they are, we, uh, corporate America, we're falling short in having these people in the door. So, uh, this is, is really just a, it's a testament back to Mike Rowe. If you remember Mike Rowe's dirty jobs, um, yeah, of course, not everybody wants to be pulling sludge out of pipes or uh, some of those jobs, some of those ones were, I don't know if you. I don't know if we can remember any of those, but um, some yeah. of those jobs were just off the hook. So some of the jobs on the farms and and things of that nature. It's like, uh, right. I don't right. think it's ever going to pay enough for me to 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 go down that road. But right, yeah. they're all professions, no less. And mm-hmm. uh, and and the thing that I'm seeing uh, from my own professional scope is that uh, these are roles that in many cases are playing are paying close to six figures in the first mm. couple of years in the job. And there are, in some cases, unions or other organizations who will train you uh, straight out of the military or the even there after the military. I've seen people who have left the military 10 years ago, went into a career and they're like, I hate this. I'm going to go change. Uh, there are these different organizations that will pay your way through these, uh, these different skilled trades programs. And it's mm. simply because they're in such demand that uh, the organizations either have uh, job placement thereafter, and and it you know it earns them money that they can help you 
connect to a job after teaching you. Uh, but also just everybody's hiring for them. And that includes, you know, the company for which I recruit, uh, almost every organization right now is looking for facility maintenance, people building maintenance, HVAC, plumbing, electrical. And I talk to uh, a lot of people leaving the Navy, for example, electricians, mates and, and, and nuclear machinist mates and things like that. And these are folks that are in such demand that, you know, the jobs are out there. Um, they're looking for them, but you know, along those lines, 2021 has this offering for those who uh, we saw this in the last recession in 2008, 2009. A lot of people lost their upward mobility. It just kind of halted and maybe they had to take a step back to take a step back up. If you find yourself in one of those places where you're like, there is no step up. My career has officially ended for now. Go take a look at one of those opportunities because uh, you might just find you might be pleasantly surprised. And it's I think the stigma of. You know, what what used to be the, the the stigma of a dirty job is no longer there. These are professional careers that can uh, that can off that can pay an awful lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned about um, you know college costs and college tuition. Uh, I was just, literally just at work the other day having a conversation with uh, with my manager about uh, with the cost of of college currently. Um, kids coming out of college with over a hundred thousand dollars in debt. Uh, there's no guarantee you're going to land the job for which you went to school for. So you have a kid with a $120,000 in debt that lands a $45,000 a year job right out of high, uh, you know, college. And it's going to be extremely tough for that individual to, to continue to pay on his loans. Um, so the, the hope and wish is that they can transition into whatever role um, quickly and, and begin to start making the payments and get out of that debt. I would imagine that there should be a big push from the younger population to get into more skilled trades because you're not going to get at, into any of that hundred thousand dollars of debt. Uh, you mentioned I, I can speak for um, like electricians. You could join your local electricians union. They'll put you into the apprenticeship schools. There is a fee for those apprenticeship schools. It is not nearly one hundred twenty thousand right. dollars. It is right. something that you can afford, and they will take it out of your weekly paycheck. Uh, but you're you're not only going to these classes a few a few nights a week, but you're then on the job sites learning as you go as well. And a few years down the road, you get your apprenticeship card and you are good to go. And then, you know, there, there's schools to go beyond that, you know, to, to work up to becoming a master electrician. But you then have a skill that will always be in demand. I would venture to say that those fees can be paid or can be covered by your GI Bill. Can they not? I would imagine. Yes. Yeah. The GI Bill, I would 100 percent imagine. Yeah. I I was just making the statement as if I was talking to, you know, yep. Joe Blow civilian. It, it, anyone can can go and, and join up and it's a few hundred bucks, um, I would imagine. I don't honestly know the numbers. Um, but I used to work around electricians. I I, I used to dabble myself a little bit, but you know, like that was um over the, the New Year's holiday, the, the few days off I had, the wife said, Hey, I want a receptacle put over here. How how are that gonna be? Well, for you, eh, probably take you a little while to figure out. <laughs> she gets, right. Should I just call it? I'm like, no, I got it. It's not a problem. I just, um, yeah. You know. you're, you're like, I can handle this because otherwise it'll, it, it's going to cost you $300 to have an electrician come out, oh, yeah. which is and, again, a testament to how well they're being paid apparently. Cause yes, I had some, I had some minor plumbing work at my house done over the summertime. And, uh, that bill was enormous. And mm-hmm. not that I have any harsh feelings toward the, the company. You that came out. Thanks. Thanks right. for doing it. But, I don't know how to do it. I, yeah. I wasn't going to go mess with the the water intake in my house. Yeah. You know, 
yeah. um, that's asking for disaster. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that you know, five, $600 bill all of a sudden is a $3,000 bill because you're like, right. oh, well, it was bad. Now it's worse because I messed it up. Right. Well, and, and my wife always says, just call the professionals. Don't try to do this by yourself. I'm like, fair enough. But, you know, but it is. These are great skills that you're going to have for the rest of your life, and you can do them around your house and save yourself thousands of dollars. Uh, and if you pick up other skills, then, geez, you know, down the road, you can probably even build your own business. And that's the other thing that I see a lot of folks doing that have these unique skilled trades. Uh, go start your own business down the road. You know, don't, I wouldn't advise, you know, going and getting your, your, your license and then throwing a logo on a van and, and trying to run around because that's how you get into some trouble. But, um, but down the road, you can absolutely do that. You can absolutely hire people and create a business out of it and, and that'd be a small business owner. And you've, you've mentioned it before. Um, you know, you look at whatever business it is, you, you've brought up police, uh, police forces, local police forces. Yeah, there's plenty of cops, but you also have HR departments. Um, right. You have, you know, your dispatchers. There's, there's multiple roles. So you can go, you can get this, uh, this career started. And you, you lock in with a company and you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm tired of being out there in the cold and the winter and the, the hot and the heat and the summer. And I'm tired of the rain and the mud and the snow. Hey, you know what? I'm going to be an estimator for this company. And then you get a, a nice office job and everybody out there in the field complains about your estimating skills. And, right. you know, these blueprints suck. And what the hell is this guy thinking? Eh, oh, well, <laughs> but right. there, there, there are there are other avenues and other doors that can be opened by taking this one step. And you still have that skill, though. But yeah, yep. Matt, I wanted to kind of talk um, about leadership. We we as a military and veterans based podcast, I would say that without a doubt, if you spend a year, if you spend 20 years in the military, even without you knowing you have grown leadership skills. There are different types of leaders, there are different types of leadership tactics, uh, but you have a foundation of leadership. It is up to you then to really mold. It is a big ball of clay and you have to sit there and mold it into the style you need for whatever job you're presented with. But I wanted to talk a little bit about leadership, some of the uh, qualities that make good leaders and some of the leadership tactics that work in today's workforce. Um, Mr. John Maxwell has a quote, leadership is influence, plain and simple. Um, for me, leadership is being able to have a task given to me. Hey, this is what I need you and your team to complete. Okay. How do I, how do I do this? I influence my individuals and my people and my employees to complete the task on time safely and cost effectively. Um, Warren Bennis has a quote of leadership is the capacity to translate vision to reality. Again, the vision of completing the task, translating that to your individuals. And it becoming a reality. And the word there translate, I think is, is a key word in this sentence, in this quote here, because that, that talks about the ability to communicate. One of the biggest, biggest, uh, keys to being a good leader is communication. Um, I was told at one point, um, from somebody I was, I was learning from to sometimes it's okay to over communicate. Hey, Matt, I need you to go put that red peg in that blue square. Okay. Oh, there's 10 different blue squares over there. Which one? Hey, Matt, I need you to take this red peg. We're going to go from the left towards the right. We're going to go three holes over and you're going to put it in that blue square. And when you're done, I need you to come back to me and we'll find the next red peg. 
I'm going to leave you with so many questions in that first example versus that second one. You're going to know exactly which hole to put it in. And then when you're done, you're going to know to come back. Uh, so the overcommunication, being a good communicator uh, is, is such a big one. Um, I know for me, I have a list here. Integrity. It's okay not to um, always tell the people the soft, cushy, hey, you know, you did a good job. Sometimes it's, yep. hey, listen, you didn't have your best day. This is what I expect going forward. If you need help accomplishing these, by all means, come to me and we can try to figure something out. But be honest with your people. Set expectations and show integrity. And don't say one thing one day and then switch it up the next day because no one's ever going to know uh, which which way you're leaning. You got to yep. gotta set standards and stick to them. Also, don't don't ever ever lie to your employees. If you if you say, "Hey, yeah, yeah, um, this guy's this guy's um, doing a great job," and then three days later you're telling somebody else, "Man, that guy really stinks." Right. That, that stuff's going to get around, and nobody's right. going to start to believe you. Um, active listening was on my list. Uh, this is this is one of the ones that personally I am working on as much as possible. Uh, we're in these. Job scenarios, things are crazy, things are busy. I constantly have to remind myself, take a second, actually, actually be active in this conversation that's going on right now. As someone's talking, expressing their, their concerns, their feelings, their ideas, make sure you're, you're taking those in and be active in the conversation. Express back to them what you've just heard. That way they understand that you've heard them. They understand that you also understand where they're coming from. And that's where you can then start to foster the relationship and hopefully find some new ideas and new ways of doing things. Mm -hmm. uh, the people that are actually out there doing the work, guess what? That's where most of the good and great ideas are going to come from. Right. Um, someone sitting up in an office somewhere telling a bunch of electricians how to wire a building might be, you know, on the right path. But once you're actually out there doing it, you might see something. That's not going to work at all. Why don't right. we try this? That's where your great ideas come from. And so being an active listener, taking those moments, listening to those individuals and having those conversations and really, really making sure you hear and understand what's being said mm -hmm. goes a long, long way. Um, we already talked about the strong communicator, over-communicate, delegation. Again, jobs are busy. You have a thousand things to do. Guess what? You're probably not going to be able to accomplish all 1,000 things. You have those individuals there. The more you share with those individuals to do, the more you train those individuals to do. Hey, I need you to do this. Come here. Let's take a couple minutes. I'll show you how to do this. If you have questions, by all means, come back. We don't want to mess this up. And you go through that and you delegate those things. So you take those 1,000 things you whittle it down to 500. You're able to accomplish those 500 things you left for yourself. The rest of your team can knock out the rest for you. And they then feel that sense of responsibility, teamwork, dedication. You know, you're, you're actively engaging those individuals. And you never know that that individual you shared something with can then say, Hey, I really like doing that. What else can I do? And before you know, you got people asking you to continually take stuff off your plate, which is just going to make your life so much easier. And you're left with, hey, the first few times you might have to go back and really double check, comb through, make sure things are being done properly. 
But the more they do it, the better they're going to get at it, and things are just going to continue to flow better, right. faster. Decision-making uh, skills. Um, in my job in particular, when I am training someone to do what I do, I let them know, listen, you're going to make a few thousand decisions every day. You're not going to get them all right. It's just a, it's just an odds thing. There's no way you're going to leave here saying I made a thousand decisions all correctly. Right. It's okay to make an incorrect decision, but you have to be able to make decisions. You have to be decisive and you have to believe in those decisions. And when you make a decision, make a decision not based off emotion, make decisions based off of some sort of statistics mm-hmm. or, or, uh, research, but stick with your decisions. Don't, don't, you know, flip flop back and forth and understand you're going to make incorrect decisions, but be able to recognize when you've made an incorrect decision and be humble enough to say, ah, probably wasn't the best decision. Here's how we fix this. It's okay to make incorrect decisions. Problem solving skills. Um, I want to say it was Jeff Ancher, former guest on the show. I've heard him on his podcast say, you are paid accordingly based off the problems you can solve. Right. And that quote sticks with me. Um, I think about it almost on a daily basis because there are times where I'll be faced with a problem and I'm like, I don't have the, I don't, in my head, I go, I don't have the time to deal with this. I'll kick it up the ladder. Really, this is something they should deal with anyway. And I go, no, I'm going to be, I'm going to be paid based off the problems I solve. So if I figure out how to solve these problems, it's just going to lead to bigger and better. Um, so the 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 more you can figure out how to solve problems, be it with, I don't want to say I deal with HR things, but dealing with a problem before it comes before it becomes an HR issue, right, is a big deal. Dealing with a safety issue before it becomes an actual safety issue is a big deal. You're saving the company time and money and insurance claims and all of those great things. Self motivation. I would say that almost anybody that's been in the military has no problem with being self-motivated um, because at some point you thought, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to quit, you know, and you have to have that little voice in your head that goes, knock it off. Stop being dumb. You're not going to quit. And it's that, that, that little voice is your self-motivation. You're saying, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to mm-hmm. keep going. Um, there are days um, especially on the weekends where I wake up on a Saturday, I'm like, I don't feel like I just want to hang out at home and kick back. And you know what? Most, most times I don't because there's always something to do and you have to realize, Hey, these things need done because no one else is going to do them. So at, at the job, realize, Hey, if these things don't get done, no one else is going to do them. And as we talked earlier, the delegation, it doesn't always have to be you, but being self-motivated to the point where you're like, Hey guys, listen, this is what we got. This is what we need to get done today. Here's what I need from you guys. Right. Being self-motivated. Humility. Again, you make a thousand decisions a night. Not all of them are going to be correct. You make an incorrect one. Have the ability to stand up. Say, hey, listen, I messed this up for us. I've created this extra work. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's where we're going to go from, from, you know, this point forward. I apologize. Uh, I'll, I'll, you know, be better next time. But here's, here's what I offer. I'm going to jump in. We're going to get this done together. Have that humility and understand that it is the individuals doing those those tasks that you've created for them that are getting those jobs done that make you look good. Mm-hmm. Accountability. 
if you make correct incorrect decision, don't be the boss that says, well, I don't know why Todd did this. That's crazy. I can't believe Todd would do such a thing. Now, hey, I told Todd to do this and I probably didn't communicate it properly to Todd. And I just told him, hey, I need I need this put into one of those blue holes over there. I didn't tell him which one. That's my fault. It went into the wrong hole and now it's it's in the wrong place. It's that's right on me. I know where I messed up. I should uh, make sure that Todd is qualified to do this job going forward. And the last one, and I've just started to to learn more about this this year, is emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've known about emotional intelligence for a few years. I've really started to dig in over the past six months on emotional intelligence. And this, I think, is probably, in my opinion, the key factor to good leadership. Because while we would want and hope that everything is not going to be like 2020, guess what? More more often than not, things go the way of 2020. And things are rough. Things aren't going the way you'd like them to. And it's easy to get frustrated, unmotivated. It is those that are self-aware, those that are self-regulated, that in those times of confusion and stress can take that deep breath and say, hey, I understand that I'm stressed out. And if I, if I begin to show this, if I, if, if I become unmotivated, the others around me will see this and their motivation levels will drop too. And it's going to snowball. You have to realize how much your body language, your presence, and your emotions affect those around you. And to be self-aware and keep those things regulated and, and pointed in the right direction how much that's going to help your team stay pointing in the right direction as well. Empathy is a part of emotional intelligence. Uh, being able to understand where people are coming from and share in their feelings and their emotions and helping to guide those emotions back into a positive direction. Mm-hmm. And then social skills. Being able to, you, you see that individual at work that's having that bad day, go up, yeah, you, know, you shouldn't be within six feet, but in 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 days of old, go up, put your arm on their shoulder, and say, "Hey, man, what's going on? You, you don't seem like you're into this today. How's everything been?" And just having a quick five minute conversation with somebody, and just letting you letting them know that you're there, and having really a conversation that doesn't really truly amount to much, will go such a long way with that individual. Two nights ago, had had someone at work. I know they were having a rough night. So as they were clocking out, I just pulled them. Hey, Rob, how you doing? How, how'd your night go? He took 30 seconds to let me uh, hear some of his frustrations. I let him, hey, I apologize. Tomorrow's going to be better. And he, he walked out and he goes, you know what? I'm going to go home. I'm going to sleep this off. Thanks. I'm glad you checked in on me. It was the end of the night. I got nothing that day out of him. But when he came in yesterday, he looked, hey, man, I appreciate you checking in on me. I went home. I had a drink. I slept it off. I'm ready to go to bed. And um, these are all things that will never be completed. None of these will ever be completed. These are all skills that constantly on a daily basis you need to try to stay on top of and you need to work on. And I will say personally, uh, most days I leave work thinking I really could have done so much better at all of these. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't get frustrated, but be self-aware and and keep pushing and keep striving to 
to get better at all these because I know personally in my role, I want to be the best leader possible because the better I am at controlling my emotions and making positive and correct decisions, it's just going to affect so many others around me and make the entire thing uh, so much better. Well, and this is a topic that we've discussed, I think, a few times mm-hmm. in in our discussions, in our in our podcast, and that is that uh, companies are dying for leadership. Companies are dying for leaders. And when I say that, you know, people are like, well, I'm on LinkedIn. I see plenty of managers everywhere. And there's a difference between a manager. A manager manages processes. Mm-hmm. Um, a leader leads the processes. It, it leads the the people that execute the processes. And so it's it's very easy to say, well, I'm a manager of this. I'm a manager of that. That, that that's by title. And I'm not dissing anybody with a manager title, um, because a a manager can absolutely be a great leader. But being a manager, being a manager by title, or a director by title, or a vice president by title, or whatever you are, does not make you. It doesn't make you a leader of people. It means that somebody put the trust in you to lead a process or program or or a team. Um, but you might not be a, a real leader of people. And so, you know, your list reminds me of JJ did tie buckle out of the Marine Corps, the acronym for leadership traits. And I won't go through all of them, but JJ did tie buckle is an acronym, J- just justice, judgment, dependability, integrity, et cetera, et cetera. And as a young Marine, I used to listen to this. We have to recite JJ did, did tie buckle. And it never really occurred to me because at the point, at that point, I wasn't leading anybody. I didn't understand what any of that meant. And not all of those uh, letter, not all of the letters represented in that acronym, really are things that I apply today. You know, for example, like bearing. Bearing is something in in, in the buckle. Bearing mm-hmm. is something that was probably unique to the military. And bearing was, you know, being able to hold mm-hmm. your uh, your personality, being able to maintain your discipline uh, in a situation, and that's 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 great. Uh, I think as we talk about modern leadership now, we have to get into, uh, as you mentioned, emotional intelligence. And that really is the opposite, in, in my opinion, it's the opposite of, of bearing. It's it's being able to be um, being a, an emotional receiver of mm-hmm. of data, of information, of people's feelings, et cetera, et cetera, and then being able to react to those. I, I think it is and isn't. Uh, maintaining your bearing while having emotional intelligence, in my opinion. If someone comes to you with, hey, um, you know, I was working with John yesterday and he and I just don't get along. I really can't. I, I can't work with him. Well, listen, I, I really need you and John to work together because this is the station you're both at. I need you guys to complete these tasks. I need you guys to get this job done. And then going into what's them, you know, getting this job done and finding ways for those two individuals to get past whatever it is is bothering them and not just going, well, I don't care what you and John are going through. This is what you're doing. Uh, you've then lost your bearing. So maintaining your bearing, you know, you don't want to just, you know, fly off the handle. There is also those times where maybe something amusing happens at work, but probably it shouldn't be going on. Right. And you maintain your bearing. Hey, guys, listen. Guys, that's, knock it off. That's hilarious. But we can't be doing this and here's why. Yeah. And, th- and then you go into that communication process of, of explaining to them why these things probably shouldn't be happening. Right. Um, things well, like that. I've, 
I've had, I've worked for great leaders. I, I've been blessed that throughout most of my career, including in the military, I've had exceptional leaders. I've, I have worked under or for a small handful of people that did not belong in leadership positions at all. And it was largely because they were um, trying too hard to manage processes and, and they weren't trying to, uh, to delegate and give the opportunities to the people. As you mentioned before, Tim, the, the great ideas come off the floor. The great right. ideas come from the front lines. The great ideas don't always come from the C-suite. Um, sometimes they do, but most times the, the, the front lines need to be listened to. They need to be understood. And uh, as it is in the military, you are supporting, as it is in the Marine Corps, uh, you're supporting the, the efforts really of the infantry. You're, you're supporting the efforts of whoever is executing the mission. And the general sitting in the Pentagon can't be like, well, you know what? Today we need to go capture all the Dairy Queens in the United States because the infantry who is currently in Afghanistan is going to be like, well, why do we need to capture Dairy Queens? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's, it's, I know I'm using these funny analogies, but they are things that have nothing to do with each other. And, uh, and that is, in my opinion, where you will experience uh, poor leadership is, is people that don't really quite see the vision or they're trying to create a vision for selfish reasons. They, they want to do an empire build or they want to build their own team or their own legacy to a point where they're no longer getting the job done or no longer supporting the day-to-day -day efforts of the front lines. Um, I'll, I'll give you a book to read if you haven't heard of this Simon Sinek uh, Leaders Eat Last Simon Sinek has a, a ton of different books out but Leaders Eat Last is a true reference to Marine Corps leadership um, and the book starts out it's talking about uh, some fighter pilots who are providing close air support in Afghanistan and um, and they have to make decisions in the air they have low cloud cover and they're covering a unit that's on the ground in the mountains and they have to make some decisions uh, on how to support them, and and they get a call out over the radio that troops are in contact, and it's this pilot is talking about how he has to get down there in the mountains. He has no idea where the mountains are. The cloud cover is too thick. How are we going to execute support? And it goes into talk about you know leaders eat, eating last is a reference again back to the Marine Corps that if you're in a position of leadership, you should sacrifice almost everything. You should eat last at lunch. Truly and figuratively, you should eat last. You should take care of everybody else before yourself. And as long as that wisdom guides you, as long as you go into work and say, I am here as a leader, as a manager, to break down barriers and ensure that my frontline staff or anybody uh, in front of me, anybody who is executing the mission can get their job done. I can break down those barriers and take away the challenges and make it as easy as a, and as efficient as I can for them to do their job. You are leading. Uh, if you are creating barriers by being a micromanager or by having your own ideas about how the front line should be doing things when the front lines are, are perfectly capable of telling you how they should be doing their job or how efficiently they can do their job, you're not leading. Then you are trying to perhaps manage something that can't be managed. So I know everybody has their, I think in corporate America and in in college and in, in schooling and you watch YouTube videos, leadership is talked about as though it's this thing like, hey, anybody can be a leader, just do these things. You really truly have to be able to connect to your frontline people uh, and help people accomplish your mission and help them accomplish their mission. That's leadership. Oversimplified, but that's leadership. Mm -hmm. It is It is delegating. It is giving people room 
to make errors. It's giving people room to make success. Um, hire the right people, get out of their way, and support them in every way possible. I'm fortunate in my full-time role that I, I work among amazing leaders. I work for uh, all the people that I work under and that I take guidance from or take direction from are some of the most amazing leaders I've ever had, largely because they hired me to be the expert. And, and they have gotten out of my way and they give me the guidance and they give me the leadership and they give me the expertise when I need it. Uh, and anytime I ask for something, it is, you know, how, what do you need? How do we support you to get that job done? Because if I didn't have that from them, the job wouldn't be getting done. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned something here about uh, allowing people to make decisions, delegating, allow them to fail, allow them to succeed. In a leadership role, remember that everyone, including yourself, is at some point going to think, my job is the most important. My job absolutely needs to be done now. Right. Uh, in a kitchen, the guy making the toast versus the guy making that filet mignon. But I have to make this toast right now. It needs to get done. You need to get out of my way, Mr. Filet mignon maker. And the guy making the filet mignon is saying, I have a, a $80 piece of meat in front of me that I need right. to perfectly sear. Uh, they, they, they don't. Sometimes it's easy to forget that everybody's job is just as important as the next because guess what? That $80 steak is going to a customer that, you know, that's going out to somebody's, uh, you know, Valentine's Day dinner. This piece of toast might be going to somebody that um, is just kind of there to look around the restaurant and might be thinking of purchasing the, the facility. Right. You never know. Or it's, or it's a, a piece of toast as part of a greater meal that that steak is going to end up on. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it's uh, the car manufacturer saying that the tire manufacturer isn't important. Well, guess yeah. what? If you don't have the tires on the car, if you don't have the tires manufactured, you're not going to sell any cars. It. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone's job is important. Um, so sometimes you have to make sure you let them know, hey, I completely understand how important this job is right now um, and, and do everything you can to make sure they complete their mission. But also at times individuals come with you, come to you and uh, be expressing, you know, concerns and say, I, I absolutely need. Yes, I agree. But right now we need to focus on this. We need to focus on, on this path because really this is what's what we're, we're focusing on right now. We'll get back to that here in a minute. I'm not trying to say that that is not important, but right now that is not really what our mission is. Also, I, I know another one. If you if you pull up list of leadership qualities, if you listen to people that speak about leadership qualities, um, confidence continually comes up. Mm -hmm. I'm not. I didn't put confidence on my list. I I will say that I I agree that it is extremely important. You need to be confident in your ability to do your job successfully. You need to be confident in your ability to. If you've been put in a leadership role, it is probably because you've shown leadership qualities and also uh, the ability to do the jobs and the tasks that your employees are going to do as well. Right. And so you need to be confident in wanting to be able to do your job also to help train, motivate, and educate those individuals that you're leading. Uh, but there's that thin line between confidence and cockiness. You could have someone that's saying, well, I'm a very confident leader, but really all they're doing is, well, that's not good. I could do that three times, three, three times as fast. That right. does nothing. That unmotivates people, as a matter of fact. Okay. Hey, listen, when I was in this role, I became 
so, so, you know, fast at this job. And here's how I did it. I'm going to train you in these ways. We're going to continually work on them and we're going to get you just as fast. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I, I, I didn't want to leave confidence completely off there. I did want to say that confidence is a big one, uh, but well, there's that thin line. For confidence, me. confidence speaks for itself. Uh, you can go into a place and be like, oh, I'm a confident leader and haha, I've got all this and that and the other thing. Uh, and and I think for a lot of leaders, especially new leaders, uh, one of the biggest challenges of confidence is that, and I've been put in a position like this too, where I was leading a team of people who knew their jobs better than I did because I didn't grow up in that job. Um, and it is oftentimes the control or uh, power bestowed upon you that allows you to be the leader and, and no different does it change uh, or, or in no way does it change. Um, you are still there to break down barriers and ensure that you're able to support your team. Even if you don't know the inner nuts and bolts of their job, you still are there to support them and make sure that they have what they need. And along the way, you'll learn the job. Um, but I've seen this with a lot of young leaders that are like, well, you know, I have to get in there and know everything, literally everything about what these teams are doing. It's a good quality to have to understand what your team is doing on a day to day basis. It's a good quality to have to to know the nuts and bolts so that when they encounter a problem, um, it, you know, you can you can help them fix it from experience. But the chances are, especially you get to higher level leadership, the chances are that you're never going to ever be able to learn all those nuts and bolts because you're simply not going to be the one doing that job. You won't. It takes five years of doing a job over and over again to really encounter or experience everything that's going to happen in that job. A vice president isn't going to come into a company and be like, all right, I know your job from the ground up. It's just simply not going to happen. So the confidence in a leader really has to be in their ability to support or learn or be empathetic to the issues, but they don't always have to know all the nuts and bolts. They don't always have to know everything. And that is a, for especially for young managers, young leaders, uh, it, it shouldn't hold them back from being confident in their abilities if they simply don't know everything there is to know. It comes with experience. But the confidence level will speak for itself. You can tell a person who is confident in what they're saying. I could, I could say something completely false in this podcast right now. And if I said it with confidence, you, people might be like, oh, yeah, that's completely, yeah. you know, um, it's all the way you present the material. But uh, I wouldn't recommend it. But that's, uh, you know, that's confidence. Um, to, to, to relate this to sports, in, in my opinion, I think some of the best sports coaches uh, will use football, for example, because they have multiple coaches, they have position coaches, they have coordinators. Mm -hmm. um, a confident coach, uh, a coach that is confident in his ability to lead the team as a whole will hire very confident and competent coaches around him so he can focus on this is the whole picture. I can focus on the whole thing. Right. I have a guy that focuses on the offense. I have a guy that focuses on the defense. And under him, he has guys that focus on the offensive line, the receivers, the running backs, court, so on, so on, so forth. Yep. And the the more confident a coach is, his ability to hire somebody that is going to be competent in their job is not going to be uh, based off of fear that, man, if I hire Matt to be my offensive coordinator, he is such a genius that he's going to outshine me. I want Matt to come in and shine as bright as possible because the fact that I had the confidence to hire Matt, who in a few short years is probably going to either A, replace me mm -hmm. or move on to uh, another, in this case, another team to be, uh, in that same title as I am now currently, it's going to make me look good. And then my job at that point is, well, Matt's left. I have this hole to fill. Who's that next individual that I know that can come in 
and shine just as bright as Matt. And that's really where the confidence comes in. It's not yep. having a, you don't fear anyone coming in and stealing, stealing the spotlight. Cause really if they're shining, guess what? You're shining as well. Cause you right. put them in that place. Uh, and you, you, know, vision. You, you mentioned something about delegation too. And that's another, I, I had a boss named Stacy a few years back and she was arguably one of the best people I've ever worked with or for. Um, and uh, Stacy used to tell me, she used to encourage me because I, I did not delegate properly. It was one of the, some of the best feedback I ever got from a manager. And it was, it was critical feedback. It was, hey, let me criticize you for a second. Start delegating. You're doing everything by yourself and you're not allowing anybody else to take on some of the workload. And thusly, you're not as efficient as you should be. Um, and I experienced that. I've experienced that ever since uh, in my current role. I still am finding ways to delegate because we, we, we have to. We simply cannot. One person cannot handle all the workload. So you have to find other people. You have to lean on other people who can be rock stars alongside of you. And you're absolutely right. Delegation is one of those, in, in my opinion, it's one of those things that a lot of leaders, um, all, it's, a, it's a finely tuned skill. It's not something that you just pick up. It's not always easy to be like, all right, listen, here's how the job has to get done. And I need four or six or eight different people to do each piece of it. So that we get it all done, that's not easy. That's that's coordinating. That's you know along your lines uh, of what you said about sports. It isn't is that not the job of a head coach is, is to is to make sure that all of those different coaches are doing their piece of coming together as a whole team. So um, that is the relationship of of management and leadership in business as well, or you know not even in business at at home. It's coordinating the whole family to get A, B, and C done. Um, but that was a, a lesson that I had to learn, uh, through critical feedback from a great leader who said, Hey, stop trying to take it all on by yourself and try to use the team to handle some of the work. And it was uh, arguably one of the biggest game changers in my career. Yeah. Come up with a, the head coach comes up with the game plan or the leader comes up with the whole game plan. The, the supervisors or in the sports analogy, the other coaches on the team then can focus. Okay. So this is our game plan. Uh, you know, so we're going to pass the ball all game. We're not going to run it at all. So the next coach comes in. Okay, quarterbacks, this is what we're going to do. We're really going to lean on you. Receivers, we're going to lean on you. Running backs, hey, we're going to need you to block. We're not running the ball this week. Right. Hey, hey, to the defensive guys, this is this is what the offense is going to do. This is what we're going to do uh, to supplement and support them. And you know, it, it's it's easy to break it down into sports, um, but yeah, really the 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 leaders, the executives come in. This is the game plan. This is what we need you guys to focus on. And then it's up to uh, those frontline leaders to say, okay, this is what they want us to provide. This is what they want us to do. Here's how we think we can do this. Here's our plan. Let's go out there and attack this and see how this goes. Right. And then get that feedback from those frontline individuals, make adjustments. And before you know it, those executives are, and you guys are really killing it. Let's talk about how this worked, what worked, right. what didn't. And then you can come up with uh, policies and hopefully better game plans going forward. Yep. All right, Matt, we've done it. We've gone over an hour. It's a great conversation. Great talk. Um, as always. As, as always, thank you very much for checking us out. Thank you very much for listening. Um, if you are a listener, if you are a subscriber, check us out on all the social media platforms. We appreciate the feedback. Matt said we've been getting messages, uh, recommendations. If you would like to be on the show, if you have a recommendation, reach out. We, we see those. We respond to those. We like those. Also, whatever podcast platform you're listening on, Please go give us a rating and review. It helps us find the ear holes of other listeners, and we like to be in as many ear holes as possible. We're, you know, what we're striving for. Uh, 
like I said, the rest of the month is all booked up. I look forward to having so many fantastic and positive conversations going into the new year. So we'll see it right back here next week with another great conversation on Beyond the Wire.